0: industries for the blind presents blind living radio where you'll hear interesting topics fun stories and important news about our blind and visually impaired community it's time now for blind living radio
1: hey everybody you're listening to blind living radio my name is danielle crapo and i am in the studio with Vella, my guide dog and harley thomas my co-host what's up harley
2: well, Danielle, I thought I was going to be left out of this conversation. Never. I did. Never. Val is there. She is. She's kind of the topic today.
1: She kind of is. So I wanted to ask you, like, have you ever seen on those late night shows where they say the top ten things, where or those memes on the internet where it says you might be from Wisconsin if dot dot dot? So my thing is, you know, you're a guy dog handler when you have more of your dog stuff in your purse than you do of your own stuff.
2: <laughs> More stuff.
1: Oh yeah. I have her dental leader for her face and I have her potty bags and biscuits. We can't say the T word. We can't Oh no, you can't even spell it.
2: I can't spell it. No. She knows how to spell, doesn't she? She
1: does. She is she,
2: one smart dog. She'll
1: stand up if we spell the T.
2: One smart dog.
1: <laughs> so anyway, today on our show we have Ginger Kutch and she is the advocacy specialist from the seeing Eye and she's gonna be talking us to us a little bit about advocacy for guide dog teams, which, as you know from my stories that I tell you, is pretty often that we have to call upon people like Ginger to kind of help us out of situations. Why don't we get her on the phone right now? Yeah, sounds good.
2: All right.
3: Hello?
1: Hey, Ginger. It's Danielle with Blind Living Radio. Hi there. How's it going? Great. Great. Hi,
2: Ginger. This is Harley. I work with Danielle.
1: Hi, Harley. So, just have a few questions for you. Um, uh, Our topic today is uh, advocacy and access for guide dog teams.
2: And I'm going to say they're not really questions. We've talked about guide dogs in the past, right, Danielle? Yes. And we've talked about some personal experiences Danielle has had with her dog. And I think The whole legal rights and resources for accessibility and and guide dogs in particular is very important. And at the Seeing Eye, that's kind of what you guys do.
3: That's right. Well, I think we all work towards that, trying to make things a little easier for us to get into places and do what we need to do in our normal, everyday life without being harassed.
2: Right. And, Ginger, you're the advocacy specialist. Is that correct at the Seeing Eye? That's right. Mm Mm-hmm. So what does, that, what does that mean you do at the c
3: um, Basically, I respond to any advocacy issues or uh, requests that come into the organization. So that might be graduates who have access problems, like maybe they can't get into a restaurant or hotel, or maybe they're having problems with a housing situation, or, or whatever that might be. I also respond to requests from Outside the organization, in terms of, like, businesses who might be calling to ask for information, one of the more common questions is businesses calling to figure out, you know, how can they tell if an animal is really a service animal or not? Sometimes I I draft comments for the notice of proposed proposed rulemaking that the government will look for, like when they wanted to make changes to the Americans with Disabilities Act or the Air Carrier Access Act or anything any kind of law or policy change that they might be seeking our opinion on I usually draft those responses and then put those out for everybody to decide yes or no or if that sounds right or whatever uh, I have other grads from other schools that call um, and actually a lot of folks with other types of service animals other than guide dogs call looking for information as well so it kind of changes from day to day, depending on who's looking for what at the time.
1: Well, what are the most common issues that uh, guide dog teams and other service animals face? Can you give us some examples?
3: As far as the guide dog teams, I, one of the big things that our folks have been kind of calling about lately is air travel. And a lot of that stems from the fact that we're just coming off the summer. Everybody's been going here and there, so it, it's not... Uh, Surprising that there would be some more issues that would, you know, come about. Typically when I hear about air travel, the airlines are refusing to allow a person to sit where they want to sit on the airplane. So oftentimes there's a lot of misunderstanding about where the dog can and cannot sit. And then the other issue is with the Transportation Security Administration. Their officers a lot of times are not completely up to speed on how to check through the guide dog teams when they go through security. So that's kind of uh, one of the more popular issues right now. Those
2: are real issues. Those are real concerns that happen every day, I'm sure.
3: Yeah, I mean, I think uh, there's a lot of different challenges that people face, but sometimes there tends to be a little more than one than the other. Another problem is in housing. Oftentimes, a housing provider wants to charge a security deposit, or if it's a no-pet housing, they say that they're not required to let a person with a guide dog live there. Um, The relief area where the dog is going to be relieved is often a problem. And then you get the typical, you know, for access to public places, there's always medical offices hemming and harming about whether or not a dog can actually, you know, go in there. So it's kind of a hodgepodge of different things, and some some access issues are more disturbing than others, particularly when it comes to the person's safety or um the urgency of the the problem you know it's really doubly upsetting when you hear that an individual wasn't allowed to go in a hospital room with their spouse or family member because of the dog or You know, they've been left by a taxi cab at the train station in the middle of the night because they refused a ride. So I think sometimes, um, the access issues are a little more disturbing in that sense where they're more serious. You know, we've probably all had the experience of going to a restaurant and been told that we can't come in there. Danielle
2: certainly has ginger. (laughs)
3: Yeah, I definitely,
1: um, and I've talked to you before about, you know, issues that I've had with my dog. Um, Actually, Ginger, we're going to go ahead and take a short break right now, but we'll be right back. You're listening to Blind Living Radio.
0: We'll be right back after a word from Industries for the Blind. Milwaukee, the official sponsor of Blind Living Radio. Are you blind or visually impaired? Are you seeking a job? Well, Industries for the Blind is dedicated to hiring people just like you. Just go to IBMILW.com careers and find out how you can become part of our wonderful team of blind and visually impaired professionals. That's IBMILW.com careers. From the heart of America, Blind Living Radio. Radio by the blind. For the world.
2: Welcome back to Blind Living Radio. I'm your host, Harley Thomas, joined in studio with...
1: Danielle Crapo. Hello.
2: Hello, and on the phone we have Ginger, an advocacy specialist from The Seeing Eye. Hello again. Hello. So, Danielle, I know there were a few things we wanted to cover before the break, and I know some of the questions that we have internally. I, I'm a sighted person, and I work amongst uh, teams of, of dogs and and the blind people here in the building. And I've become very familiar on working with Vala, who is Danielle's dog. Mm -hmm. And Vala right now is comfortably sleeping on the floor.
3: (laughs) Hard at work. Yes. (laughs) Hard
2: at work. Yes. This is one of the times where she doesn't have to, like, technically work. She gets to be a dog for a moment. (laughs) Ginger, what are some of the rights that, that dog handlers have in public places? And I know we talked a little bit before the break about, Restaurants and hotels and apartment buildings. What are some of the rights that dogs and their handlers have?
3: Well, basically, we have the right to go into any place where the public is normally allowed to go. There are certain caveats that certain places that aren't appropriate for a guide dog. For instance, in a hospital, if you're going into an area where other Guests who are visiting or have to wear, you know, get dressed in a gown and the, the um, head covering and, and stuff, gloves, because maybe somebody is, com- their health is so compromised that you have to take extra steps. The dog wouldn't be allowed in those areas. But to go and visit a regular patient in there that no extra steps would be taken by visitors to protect the person's health, they could go in there and, and things like that. And oftentimes there's a little bit of confusion about places where the safety of another individual is concerned. Uh, and the same thing with zoos or the national wildlife parks. There are some animals that respond very badly to dogs being present. So there may be some areas of the zoo that wouldn't be safe for the actual animal, not the guide dog, but the animal to for the guide dog to be there. So there's certain times where where we can't go into specific locations, but that generally doesn't result in a blanket exclusion from, you know, you can't go into the zoo.
1: And actually one thing, when I went to the Seeing Eye both times, Ginger gave a, a great lecture to our class to talk a little bit about access. So that was very helpful to know, to have that knowledge, especially with the first dog.
2: And restaurants are probably one of the top places where, is that one of the top places where blind people and their, their dogs are turned away?
3: I think that's a lot of it is because of the, the food and the dogs. People are concerned, particularly because the Board of Health generally states no dogs allowed. And so oftentimes, you know, they look at our guide dogs and say, oh, that's a pet, that's a dog. And they don't realize that there is an exemption from that in the federal, both the federal law and in all state laws that a service animal can go into a food establishment.
2: What are some of the things that a handler should do if they are denied access? What, what can a sighted person expect a handler to say or do if they're found in that situation where they say, your dog's not welcomed here?
3: I think most times if the handler calmly explains that it's a working dog and that the dog is used because of a disability that Oftentimes you'll be let in with no questions. I think the general thing is is that basically when somebody tries to turn you away, it's because they're afraid they're going to get in trouble if they let you in um, for one reason or another, specifically the restaurants and then other times they're concerned about their patrons being afraid of the dog or, or allergies or or whatever. So to remain calm is really the key thing to do and if they still continue to deny access and you need to walk out and you also need to understand what laws protect your rights there's both state and federal laws that protect people's rights and it's not just americans with disabilities act that protects you and oftentimes if you pursue enforcement on a state level you'll get a lot quicker results than if you went to the department of justice to file a complaint or Whatever, so I think it's important that handlers understand what laws protect their rights and how to go about enforcing those laws.
2: Sure, that makes that makes all kinds of sense. That on the state level, and some locals might even have rules. I'm sure.
1: So, just one more question for you: Where can listeners find more resources and um, legislation about guide dog access?
3: Well, actually, one of the consumer blindness consumer groups, um, the, the just came up with an app, and I hear it's pretty good, and has all the state laws on there and the federal laws. So that, that's put out by NAGDU, which is the National Association of Guide Dog Users. And I guess you can go to the Apple Store and do a search for NAGDU and be able to download that right onto your um, iPhone. So that's a great resource to have right with you when you're somewhere in case you want to cross an access issue. You can double-check um, but we, the Seeing also has a website, org slash access, um, and that's actually going to be updated. It hasn't been updated for a while, but that's um, a place where you can, you know, begin to check. Or, you know, handlers can also call their schools. Most of the schools have some sort of support for the grads to check and, and see what can be done about things.
2: Those are two great resources.
1: Well, Ginger, thank you again so much for joining us on the show. Um, We really appreciate all the information that you shared with us, and uh, we hope you and your pup have a great afternoon. Thanks. Same to you. Thank you both.
2: Thanks, Ginger. We appreciate your time. I'm Harley Thomas.
1: And I'm Danielle Crapo, and you're listening to Blind Living Living Radio. Radio.
2: Blind Living Radio
0: is proud to be supported by Industries for the Blind in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. To learn more about Industries for the Blind, go to IBMILW.com and find out how you can directly help support the blind community.
3: I'm Ginger Kutz, Advocacy Specialist at the CNI, and you're listening to Blind Living Radio.